Welcome to Changing the Rules, a weekly podcast about people who are living their best lives and advice on how you can achieve that too. Join us with your lively host, Ray Lowe, better known as the luckiest guy in the world. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Changing the Rules. And uh, we have an incredible guest today, and I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about doing this conversation that we're going to have, and you'll understand in a minute. But I did want to take a minute and talk about the fact that on Changing the Rules, we try and talk to one of the luckiest people in the world every week. And the luckiest people in the world are people who kind of design their own lives figure out what they want to do, and then they step into the personally designed lives and live them under their own terms. And you're going to see that Don Helan is certainly one of those people today, and he does that. Uh, we also named our show Changing the Rules, and, and uh, one of the reasons for that is the luckiest people in the world uh, all need rules, but they need to sometimes take all those rules that have been given to them over the years by the church, their parents, their schools, their, their businesses, and everything else, and in this case, the military, okay, and, and try and sculpt them to fit their own lives. Because according to Steve Jobs, uh, when you live your life under somebody else's rules, you're not living your life, all right? So uh, Don Helan. Okay, um, military guy, uh, travel writer, uh, lobbyist, and award-winning author. Good morning, Don. Well, good morning, Ray. It's great to be here. So did I miss anything in your background here? I think we got the highlights, right? Yeah, the luckiest guy in the world because I'm married to Elaine Howe, <clears throat> and she's probably one of the sweetest people in the world. So that makes me pretty lucky. Okay. So uh, when we were preparing for this interview, I, I started talking to Don, and, and Don is an award-winning author. And uh, let me just give you a partial list of his books. Twins, Roof of the World, Long Walk Home, Angel's Revenge, Secret Assault, The Kingdom Come. I'm sure I left some out. Okay, yeah, you got most of them. But but, you know, I was I was looking at Don's website yesterday and kind of reviewing for this uh, meeting. And and all of a sudden I see on there one of my all time favorite authors <laughs> that I've read every one of his book is endorsing Don's book, Twins. So a guy by the name of John Lind. And, and let me read his quote real quickly. Terrifying tale that f is flawlessly constructed. So this is what we're talking to this morning. <coughs> Excuse me, Don. <clears throat> um, before I let you loose here, uh, the reason I'm excited is I've always wanted to get into the head of an author that I really like and try and figure out what makes him tick. Because how in the heck do you get these plots? How do you get these characters? They've got to come from some creative mind from somewhere. Um, it, you're absolutely right. Um, I'm lucky because I started out um, with my books and I created a character and uh, my character is Zach Kelly. He's an army colonel that works for the president's national security advisor. When I was learning the trade, I happened to be mentored by a guy named Lee Childs. And Lee has quite a character that he's used over the years. And so rather than having a different character each book, I've learned to live with Zach Kelly. And Zach has a small team that work with him on the President's National Security Advisor. 
and that on advisor for him. And that team uh, is to help the national security advisor cut through bureaucracy, which there's plenty of in the military. When something happens, he doesn't wait and go through five different layers. He sends somebody out to see if he can figure out what's going on. Okay, so so what comes first when you write a book? The character or the plot? Um, for me, it's the character is pretty much ongoing. But you've got a whole lot of other characters. And it's the old saw of what's more important, a plot or a character. And they both have their place. And, and also, when everybody's making this argument, they forget all about the setting because you have to put your character someplace that the people can see and can enjoy. And, and he has to show he can live someplace. All right, so let's go back half a step here. And you have your character that you've developed over time. Right. So I'm sure going forward, uh, plots come after the character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but let's talk about what it took to develop this character. And how do you have to think about a character? And because um, you've got to know this guy inside out, right? right? Yeah, I, I was really fortunate. I had gotten uh, probably about three books with Zach. And I was never quite comfortable about him. And then I happened to attend a uh, writer's conference. And at that writer's conference was a um, creative writing uh, professor from Berkeley. And he said, what you have to do is develop a bio for each one of your characters, not just your lead character, but your villain and all the key people. Because, you know, some people think, well, I'm going to make this awful villain. And the villain is uh, all your characters have to be some good and some bad. And so what I did, there's three areas that we develop for that character. One is the physical. Second is the social. And third is the psychological. And by the physical, we're not saying how important it is he's how tall he is, but what is important, if he's a little guy, what did that do to his development? Was he bullied? You can kind of take his physical characteristics and say, hey, how did that help him or hold him in, in developing? Suppose Barbara Streisand. Suppose Barbara Streisand couldn't sing. How would her life have changed? So you take the physical traits, and then you take where they grew up, you know, that they, you know, private school in New England, or were they in PT 104 in New York City? How would that develop? And then psychological. For example, my hero, Zach Kelly, has a very moderate case of post-traumatic stress disorder, which once in a while, he's out doing something and he starts having a problem. So these are the things that make our character human. And by developing a bio for each one of those characters, I, I don't fumble on what they would be because what we're trying to do is develop motivation. In other words, what you want to do is develop your characters. For example, you got your hero, Zach Kelly, and you got the villain. Each of them are motivated based on what's in their bio, motivated to do something. And when they're both motivated and they're motivated in the opposite direction, what happens? You've got conflict. Yeah. And conflict is what makes the book. So, so when, 
Are you Zach Kelly? Am I Zach Kelly? I'm asked that a lot. And I would have to say I'm not as good looking as Zach Kelly. I don't have as many friends as Zach Kelly as far as uh, ladies that think he's... uh, I'm not quite the athlete that Zach Kelly is because I think in the... They always say in the bios, your characters are kind of dramatized to be special because if you make your hero just kind of an average guy, he's not as exciting as if he's an interesting guy. Yeah, I'm sure. So so when you uh, came up with Zach Kelly now, how much of that came out of your experience being in the military? How much of it came from research that you did? And how much of it came from just seeing people on the street? Uh, it's hard to say what percentage, but it's all involved, you know, because Zach, for example, is a um, uh, single parent. And that's what makes him human. The first two books, Zach uh, did not have his daughter living with him, but his wife ended up in trouble. So Laura came to live with him. And now Zach is, well, he's out saving the world someplace and doing all the stuff he's being writing about. He gets a phone call. Dad, you're supposed to be here. You're, you're, you're coaching my soccer team. Dad, come on. That's reality. And everybody can kind of live in that story. And uh, so uh, guess who's got three beautiful daughters who have been through that? So it's kind of grown on me. Things that have happened to me, uh, things I learned in the Pentagon, uh, and things I've just picked up along the way. So your characters actually evolve and change. Yes. Yeah, okay. What, what about some of the other characters? Do you ever just meet people on the street and find out all of a sudden, you know, their character in your book? I think the best one. I'm glad you mentioned that. Elaine and I were up in uh, Canada. We always love to go into bookstores. And we were sitting there, and my wife's an artist, so she always has her camera with her. And this guy comes in, and he's got orange stripe down the center of his head. He's got uh, earrings, a nose ring. He's got the black boot, black boots and all that. And I said to Elaine, I said, can you get his picture for me? And she said, sure. And what she does, she never wants anybody to know she's taken their picture. So she will hold up the camera and then she shakes her head. She shakes the camera. She, What's wrong? I said, I don't know. Well, she's got four pictures of the guy. So what I did is I took him home in a picture and I put him in this file that I have of people. And one day, Zach is up to his neck at the Pentagon and he comes home and he pulls up in front of the house and Laura is up, his daughter, his 18 and a half year old daughter is up talking to this guy. And what does this guy look like? He's got an orange stripe on his hair. He's got earphone, ear, uh, earrings, a nose ring. So Zach walks up and Laura says, Dad, Dad, I want you to meet Rodney Barnes. Rodney is the lead guitar for the Evil Doers. I met him six months ago, and I, I know he's not your kind of guy, but Dad, I hope you'll go to uh, one of his concerts with me because I'm all excited for you to get to know Rodney because I really like him. And Zach looks at Rodney and said, Rodney, 
Yeah, man, that's me. And I, and that goes on from there. Okay. But see, there's a cliche character that, that ends up there. What is Rodney really like? And you don't find out for a while. So you got a bio now on Rodney, yeah. right? Well, and, and if I want to be in one of your books, I have to have orange hair. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, we have to, we have to, we have to have, know enough to make you an interesting character and make you believable. Okay, so these bios continue. So, so how many pages is uh, Zach's bio at this point? Right now, is about almost two pages. Almost two pages. Yeah. Okay, so let's switch a little bit because okay. another part of a book is the plot. Sure. And where the heck do these come from? I mean, uh, uh, yeah, where do they come from? Ray, they're everywhere. And it's a matter of looking. Let me just tell you, my fourth book, Long Walk Home, um, developed when I was up in uh, New York. It turned out that I would go to Thriller Fest every year. And the Grand Hyatt Hotel, where Thriller Fest had the uh, program, um, they had a special discount. They said, we'll give you a big discount. It's only going to cost you $230 a night to stay in the hotel. I'm lucky because I'm retired military. So the Coast Guard has a guest house on um, a side island. And I thought, well, what I will do is just stay at the guest house. Then every morning on Staten Island, then every morning I would catch the Staten Island Ferry and would, would take it across. Then we get the um, uh, metro and buzz up to uh, the uh, uh, program. And you know, uh, what a thriller writer is always looking for is two little words. What if? What if? One day as I was riding across on the Staten Island Ferry, the sun is shining, the birds are singing, flying around, and all of a sudden I thought, what if? Somebody hijacked the Staten Island Ferry. Then I said, why would anybody do that? Who would do that? And from that question developed Long Walk Home. When the Staten Island Ferry is hijacked, what lore is on it? And that's the story gets you going. Cool. Uh, okay, so obviously you're a creative guy, you're observant, uh, you've got some background that filters into your books and stuff like that. Sure. But, uh, you know, when we were talking, uh, one of the things that you really said is that you don't do this alone. OK, that you've been involved in all these writing associations. You have mentors. Uh, why don't you take a minute and talk about a couple of your mentors and how they impacted what you do? Because we probably have some people up there who all want to write that great novel and have yeah. no idea how to begin. I'm so lucky. I've been an active member of Penn Writers, which is a statewide writers group. And at every conference, they always have what they call a, a new writer can bring in just the, the first two pages of your book. And then uh, seasoned writers, uh, they have agents and editors will read it and give you feedback. And I felt so good about these two pages. I thought, oh, man, these are wonderful. And my... Um, writer who was uh, Nancy Martin, who has written something like 50 novels. And I thought, oh, man, she's going to love it. And of course, you know what happened. She ta tore it to shreds, you know. So I limped out of there 
And, and then I, I went home and I started to think, let me think now. I have not written any novels yet. And Nancy's written 50. Is there a chance she may have some idea of what she's talking about? And so I took her advice. I worked through the book again. And that became my first published book. So, okay. So, and these are not self-published books. You actually no, have I, a real, you have an agent, a publisher and everything else. So how did that come about? Because most people don't have that when they start. No. And, and what you do is um, there's a big fat document called Writer's Market. And you can get it at any, it's at every library. It's at every bookstore. You go in and you start going through and you say, okay, it go, go to thrillers. Who are all the publishers that publish thrillers? Who are all the agents that help you with that? And you go in and you start sending out letters and you become this guy that keeps getting all these turndowns from publishers and agents and editors, you know, until one day you get what is called, we call the call. And the call comes and it's, Hi, Don, this is Shirley, and I'm from Medallion Press, and we'd like to publish your book. That is the call. <clears throat> of course, then I got another call because uh, I published that with my first novel, and I had a second one all set when they, I got another call, and they said, we're sorry, but we're discontinuing our mass market line, so we could keep publishing you as an e-book, but not as a mass market. And I said, how would that work? So I looked at Elaine, she looked at me, and I said, so we started all over again with sending out those letters and all that sort of stuff. So a lot of it comes from hanging out at these writers' conferences, meeting people. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and talk a bit about the mentors, because you had, uh, Lee Childs is another guy that I read extensively. So again, your book just went up on the list some more. <laughs> I, I only have one book, and I think I'm going to dump it and go to yours. <laughs> but, but let's talk a little bit about mentors, and uh, how do you get them, and what happens, and how do they affect what you do? Yeah, it's, it's the, the group that you join. I joined International Thriller Writers. And they have what they call the debut authors group. Now, you have to go after it. You have to go sign up. And then they meet like once a month. And they, uh, everything that they do is online because you have people in all the country, all the cities throughout the United States. And Lee is the coordinator. Lee was our coordinator. And then he would bring in John Bland and all these other wonderful writers each one would talk about how to do setting, how to, how to write, a, uh, how to do a bio, how to do all this sort of stuff. And it was so helpful. And, and that was really what, plus you met people who could help you, who could give you blurbs, who could do stuff like that. So I think uh, between uh, pen writers and uh, international thriller writers, uh, I got so much help. Now, what I'm doing, I'm also a, a, a Mr. Writers of America, and they have now a, a mentor program. So I'm a mentor, and there's not much I can do for Lee Childs. There's not much I can do for Nancy Martin, who now has over 100 books. But writers pass it down. You know, uh, my job, I think, now is to help writers coming up through the system. 
Outstanding. So, so you got your bio of your characters, you got your plot, uh, but you also have to be a politician because you got to sell your book and you got to position the right way. Right. And uh, take a minute. We're almost at the end of our time, but take okay. a second. And what kind of advice would you give to people who are those aspiring writers out there? Is uh, do you just put it aside and say I can't do this, or yeah. how do you get motivated? Well, what you want to do, see, a writer has to have two personalities. One, writing is an art. I always tell new writers, writing is an art, but publishing is a business. And I spend probably half my time writing, but I spend the other half marketing. That's why I have a, a website that people can go to. I'm very active on uh, Facebook, and I'm very fortunate that my publisher is very active on, we're, we now are on Zoom. Uh, we have a whole program called Zoom into Books. And monthly, we'll do, uh, we'll do a presentation, and then uh, they'll say, hey, if you want Don's book, you can go to his uh, uh, publisher and just pick it up. And she's got a number of my signed things that she can paste into the book so you can, you can get a, a signed book. Well, I'm not sure I met my goal here. I think I'm partially into the head of an author here, okay? But you certainly have had a fascinating life. You certainly, you know, your process is extremely interesting. You know, thanks for people that are listening and who can take some of your advice. Uh, do you have any final comments you want to make before we sign off? No, it's just that um, I have really enjoyed learning to write. But the one thing that I would say is don't give up. Most people will start. They have that great idea. But you get in the middle of it, and you get to what I call the saggy middle. And you look at this thing, and you say, that's no good. It'll never sell. It's terrible. And you quit. Don't quit. Keep writing. And even if you're not crazy about it, get through. Because I end up uh, going back through my book, editing probably... 15, 20 times. So the first one, that first time through, is not that great. And it's not. But you know what? You can make it great by working hard on it. I have a number of readers who help me, who give me good ideas. And you know what, Ray? I listen to them. <laughs> I learned through Nancy, I listen to them. And, and this is why Don is one of the luckiest people in the world. Absolutely. And, and with that, I don't think there's anything more to say except your website, which is donhelan.com. Okay, D-O-N-H-E-L-I-N. And we're going to post that on the uh, notes when we uh, publish your uh, uh conversation here so people can find out where to get a start to meet you. And uh, Luke, sign us off. Thank you for listening to Changing the Rules. Join us next week for more conversation, our special guest, and to hear more from the luckiest guy in the world. It's gonna have to be a different man.